Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 to 31. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, hello. Greetings. Am I good? I'm good to go. Okay, well, hey, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous Labor Day that you have made for us to enjoy. This weekend of not just coming to worship you on a Sunday, but of being able to have an extra day of rest for so many of us. Father, thank you for all who are here who labor. Father, thank you for all who are here who are resting today. Father, we Thank you that you care about our work. Father, we pray that you would help us to see the blessing of work this morning. Lord, we pray that you would open our ears and eyes and hearts and minds to receive this good news that you have preserved for us, that you speak to us with this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So, it, it, is, it is a perfect day, is it not? It's just, it's absolutely gorgeous out. My wife and I and some friends, we're going to go downtown uh, later this afternoon to the Jazz Fest, uh, which looks really good. There's going to be some Latin all-stars there doing some music things. So, like, just so you know, I'm a music junkie. So I, I was recently bought a car that's new to me, uh, but it's the first car that's new to me that has had... Uh, uh, XM Sirius satellite, and they give you the like 90 days because they think that you have a lot of money and want to keep paying for that, which I don't. So right now I'm in like the love zone of like I have 180 channels of various music. So this morning I was able to listen to Casey Kasem counting down the top 40 songs from 1975, which was great. I didn't realize some of those songs were that were popular then, but they were. And so I like I love music, and there's music about all kinds of things. Right? There's music about life and love and school. And there's music about work. There's songs about work. And so as we've been just finishing up our sermon series on the Psalms, one of the things that we talked about with, with the Psalms is that they're songs 
And that the beauty of the Psalms is that they connect our experience and our emotions and direct it to God in worship. But the same cannot be said for every song on the radio. That every song on the radio takes our our thoughts and our experiences and our emotions and doesn't always resolve them in like the truth of Scripture and direct them to God. And so because I love music as my service to you, I thought I would spend a few minutes kind of going back and looking at some songs that are about work that are on the radio. And again, I just, my disclaimer here is that I'll be 50 this year, so the songs that I have easy access to are maybe a little not as accessible to those of you who are teenagers and are hearing my voice, and I'm going to name people now that you've never heard of, but you totally should, <laughs> because this is back when music was great. Right? How many of us older folks heard that from our own parents? So, pop music has a wonderful song about work. Maybe you remember this one. It's Dolly Parton's pop classic, Working 9 to 5. They even made a movie about this one. Here's some of the lyrics. Working 9 to 5, what a way to make a living. Barely getting by. It's all taken and no given. They just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Nine to five for service and devotion. You would think that I would deserve a fat promotion. Want to move ahead, but the boss won't seem to let me. I swear sometimes that man is out to get me. Eh, so that's, that's that song. Then Loverboy has that, uh, that kind of rock and roll homage to work. Everybody's working for the weekend. There's disco. So if you're a big disco fan like I was, uh, my father, when I grew up, actually owned a discotheque, so I used to be able to go in on Friday or on Saturday morning and like set up the light show and play disco. And believe it or not, one of my favorite people to play was Donna Summer. So she was kind of the queen of disco, and she has an ode to the American waitress called She Works Hard for the Money. So you know this one. Sing along if you know it. <laughs> 28 years have come and gone. It's a sacrifice working day to day for little money, just little tips for pay. But it's worth it all just to hear them say they care. She works hard for the money, so hard for it, honey. She works hard for the money, so you better treat her right. So tip your waitresses, everybody. And don't complain if the food's just a little off, because they didn't cook it. Just remember that. So country music, not left out. There's lots of country music songs about work. A couple of my favorites are a song by a guy, and I'm not making this up. His name is Johnny Paycheck just in case you didn't know what he was going to sing about. Johnny Paycheck wrote this song, Take This Job and Shove It. And remember this one? Uh, then there's Kenny Chesney and George Strait wrote a song whose title is slightly overconsonated called Shift Work. I'll let you work that out yourselves. Uh, rap, okay, not, not something that's in my X Xfinity or XM, you know, musical dial, but apparently Cameron wrote a song called I hate my job, <laughs> and Wiz Khalifa, see, I worked hard for you guys on this one. Like, I, I, did, some, I did some good digging on this. Wiz Khalifa wrote a song called Work Hard, Play Hard with this reminder, make sure you do whatever it is you got to do. That's your job. Once you clock out, hit the club and burn those wages, you only go round once. Now, maybe you can relate to that. So these are songs on the radio about work that take our experience and our emotions and don't necessarily resolve them against Scripture. 
do they? But the reason I think that these songs are, you know, so many of us remember these songs, and we've, we've laughed along with some of the lyrics, because we identify with them. Most of us, maybe, have moments where we really like our job if we're really fortunate, but we can relate to this, to these lyrics. And the thing about these lyrics, though, is I said they don't really resolve themselves up against Scripture. They capture kind of an aspect of work that is really about the fall. It's really about longing for work to be meaningful, to, to have people think that your work is important, to treat you well, to know that your work is about something more than just taking it to the club and spending it. And so in, in that respect, these songs kind of, they hit home for us. Because for so many of us here, the picture of work that we have, the, the thoughts that most of us have about work most of the time is we see the aspects of work that are the curse. What we don't see is the blessing of work. That work was created for us as a blessing. And so this morning on, on Labor Day weekend, on a, on a day today where we're called to worship the Lord, it's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the blessing of work and hopefully moving us from this kind of perception as work as curse to you know, maybe a more redeemed view as, as work, as blessing. And so I want to ask you, what are your most thoughts about work? Are they more thoughts of work as curse or more thoughts about work as blessing? And as you think about that, I want you to listen to these words. Then God said to them, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and he blessed them. So what you should do now as a reader is to think to yourself, God just said, I'm going to bless them. And so you're saying, oh, I wonder what the blessing is. What is the blessing that's coming? And everything that follows is, is the blessing. It's not the curse, it's the blessing of work. And so what I want to focus on this morning is kind of maybe four, notice I didn't do three, four aspects of work as blessing. That work blesses us with identity. So notice what happens here. It says, let us make man in our image. So, as image bearers, this is our identity. Our identity is to bear the image of the Godhead. And what does that mean? Does that mean that God is like six foot one, about 175 pounds, with a gorgeous bald head, no. Two arms, two... No, it's God is a spirit. He, we don't know what God looks like. Okay, so what does it mean? Does it mean that God actually physically looks like us? No, it means that we are God in how we represent him in the world. In what we're doing as bearing his image. And one of the ways in which we bear his image is as workers. So God is a worker. 
God made the earth and everything in it. He's a worker. It says that on the seventh day, God rested from his work. So scripture in its earliest, earliest places conveys to us that God is a worker. When Christ came, God incarnate, he came as a worker, a worker of carpentry, a worker of restoration, a worker of taking things that were broken and making them like new again, of declaring God's purposes in the world. Christ came as a worker, and so our identity, the way in which we image God, is as a worker, and not just as a worker, but as a creative worker. Notice that a creative God created people, and so one of the ways in which we can reflect the image of God is as creative people. Not all of us are gifted in this way. Some are. People who have this special knack for creativity, for painting, for arranging flowers in a special way, for designing a building, for doing the art on your, on your bulletin covers that you probably don't ever pay attention to, but they're beautiful. God gave skill to people to be creative, to especially reflect his glory. And look at how we twist that. If you're in junior high or high school and you're a guy, or you know a guy in junior high or high school, who really likes to put together real kind of classy clothes, you know, maybe, maybe tight-fitting skinny jeans, and he's all about like style and what's in style right now, you know, maybe pink t-shirts, you know, maybe he likes doing floral arrangements. Maybe he really likes art class. Maybe he really likes painting. Maybe he really likes being in plays and doing choreography and singing. Do we have a label for a guy like that? You know what, you know what it is, right? I don't need to say it out loud. And just ask yourself for a second. When that's the name that we give when we see a young man in school being creative, reflecting the glory of God with a special gift that he gave them to be creative, and we call them that word? Think about how twisted and wrong that is and how that mars their identity about who they think they are. Because it's just wrong to take something so beautiful that God gives to us to reflect his glory and to do that. But he doesn't just bless us with identity. He blesses us with purpose. You know, we've all gone to work on the first day of work maybe, or we're trying to figure out if we want to apply for a job. And you know what we do? We look at the job description. What am I supposed to do for my job? What am I, what am I here for? And all of us, every single one of us, who was born on this earth was given a job description by God. And he gives it to them here. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This purpose take has two parts. It's to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. But what does that mean? What are we supposed to fill the earth with? People? Sure, of course it means that. 
Of course God is telling the man and the woman to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth with people. But is that really like that's the ultimate goal is, hey, I made the earth. I really want it filled up. Fill it up fast for me because that's my whole purpose in the world is to just fill the earth with people. No, it doesn't make sense. What are you supposed to fill it with? Yes, people, but people as image bearers, people who reflect the glory of God with expressions of work and creativity. So this is what we're supposed to do. That the filling of the earth isn't just about people. Ultimately, it's about people reflecting God's glory. And so we're called to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. This is where it just keeps getting better. What are we supposed to have dominion over in our work? Every living thing that moves on the earth, every plant yielding seed on the face of the earth, every tree and seed and its fruit, every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and everything that has the breath of life. So, in case you're curious, what are we supposed to have dominion over? Everything. That's amazing. I always have to try to work that word in because I know some of you like that I say amazing. I say amazing a lot because this is amazing. God calls us to work and he gives us something to do. To subdue the earth, have dominion over everything, the full scope of everything. So how should we go about doing that? Because when some of us hear the word to subdue and have dominion over, we conjure up pictures of like the dark lord, right? Looking to subjugate people and have dominion over things. And if that's our picture of what subjecting things and, and subduing them and having dominion over things, then that's the way we're going to act and treat things, isn't it? And so the question is, if we are image bearers of God, then one of the questions we should ask is, how does God subdue and have dominion over us? Lovingly, with care, seeking our good, seeking our flourishing. And so we should subdue and have dominion over the earth in that very same way. See, there's, a, there's an important distinction between subduing and having dominion over and having exploitation and abuse. And the easiest way to see this is, is the planet, Right? Am I about to go on some, you know, liberal goody-two-shoes, you know, rant here? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You know, there's a, there's a, a section of, of the ocean out in the Pacific and in the Atlantic called basically the Trash Basin. Do you know about this? It's, it's hundreds of miles wide. It's just garbage swirling around in a big, huge vortex, slowly breaking down, and then the fish eat it, and it, you know, it, it's horrible. That, that garbage came from us. That's not the right way to subdue and have dominion over the earth. Going into to poor countries that don't have the rule of law and strip mining all of, their, all of their resources so that the country stays impoverished is not the way in which we are supposed to subdue and have dominion over the earth. That's just not the way it's supposed to happen. And it's not just about the earth, it's about people, right? So as we are subduing and having dominion over the earth and we're, we're working and we're building companies, the way in which we treat the laborers who are doing that work is about the way we're subduing and having dominion over the earth. 
And so we're called to do that the way that God calls us to do it. Because in this, God doesn't just define the scope and the manner of our subduing and dominion, but also kind of what is the goal? What's the goal of us subduing and having dominion over the earth? That we would flourish, that the earth would flourish. Think about this for a second. So my, uh, my grandfather is a farmer in, in Iowa. The amount of corn and beans that his 175 acres, which isn't a lot, I mean, he's a small-time farmer, right? But if you just did nothing to that land ever, you just didn't work it, cultivate it at all, how many bushels of corn and beans do you think it would just magically produce? I have no idea. Oh, look, there's a bean. There's an ear of corn over there. But no, man is able to subdue and have dominion over the earth in such a way that the earth flourishes more in the way in which we engage it, that it produces corn and beans and rice. Because when God said, be fruitful and multiply, it's not like he was like, well, be fruitful and multiply. I have no idea how you're going to feed all those people, but who knows? And God gave us this gift of creativity to be able to to farm, to build farm implements. And so it blesses us with identity and purpose, and it blesses us with relationship. This just keeps getting better and better. I want you to see the blessing of work, that in work, God calls us to work with him. God said, fill the earth with my glory, subdue and have dominion over. It's his earth. It's the earth that he created, and he calls us into mission with him. So as we're working, as we're having dominion, we're working with God, and that's amazing. But we're also working with and for each other. Okay, so now here's where we're going to get a little technical. So you got to look at your bulletins. You got to look at the scripture. You ready? So notice that this is given to them. It says, and God said to them together. So one of the ways in which we are, we're working in relationship is not just with God, but with each other, and maybe even in the immediate family, like a husband and a wife. So we're talking to Adam and Eve here. And now notice that this instruction is given to Adam and Eve. It doesn't say he just said to Adam. It says he said to Adam and Eve. So this entire creation mandate, which is what this is called, is given to Adam and Eve. So some of us hear it this way. And God said to them, Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Adam, subdue it and have dominion over it. That's how we hear this. So I'm going to let you have that interpretation as long as you can explain to me how when God said to Eve only, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, she was supposed to do that without in any way the help of Adam. Because I can't figure that out. I had health class. And when I look at this, I don't see a way that Eve was supposed to fill the earth and multiply without the help of Adam. And so, if God was talking to Adam and Eve, and, and listen, ladies, women, the special blessing that you have in this is, is your ability to actually bear and carry the children. And that's, that's a 
wonderful and a beautiful gift that God gave you. And so, wow. But the church, for a while, has communicated to some of you, that's really the only thing that you're good at. And so just keep that as being your job. Stay at home, barefoot and pregnant, and that's the way you participate in God's mission. But that's not what God said. What God said is he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over it, Adam and Eve. That Eve is seen as a worker of subduing and having dominion over the earth. A few weeks ago, I wrote about the Proverbs 31 woman. You all know the Proverbs 31 woman, right? The heart of her husband is glad in her and her children will rise up and call her blessed. Why do they do that? Spontaneously? Or because she understands real estate and is able to go and buy a field and make a profit on it when she sells it because she's able to hire laborers who have looms and go sell her product in the marketplace and suddenly the reason that the Proverbs 31 woman is being held up by her children and her husband is because she's a worker and she understands how to get around in the marketplace. And so maybe we need to do a little repenting about the way in which we communicate to women the value that they have in reflecting the glory of God in the workplace. This, listen, I am not saying that women, you're not doing your job if you're not in the workplace. Don't hear me saying that. But hear me saying this, that as women step out into the workplace, they are doing what they have been gifted and called to do. And that we can honor that. But think about this. It's not just kind of couples that, that are flourishing here together. It, it's the greater community. So maybe you've heard this expression or heard this thought that, you know, the highest goal of any calling is to be a pastor. Well, let me tell you why you don't want that. Because if everybody was a pastor, and you're, uh, let's say you were in the middle of winter, you're pulling your car into your garage, and you go out later and you realize that there's a pool of water in the middle of your garage, because the drain in your garage is not draining. And so as a pastor, you go to Menards and you buy the little thing that you stick down there and you hit the switch and it goes, and nothing happens. As a pastor, my really kind of beyond that, the one thing that I can do is, dear Lord, please unplug this now miraculously. What? Serious? I can't, it's still plugged. And I don't call another pastor friend of mine to come over and fix it because he's got as much skill in that as I do. You know what I do? I call a plumber. I call Bob Vorderer because Bob knows about plumbing. He's like, oh, that's no problem. We're just going to cut that out four foot by four foot. We'll pull the cement out, get down there, pull out that rotten thing, put plumbing in there and all fit together. You know what my job in that was? Watching. I'm a great watcher of work that I don't know how to do. We all now, we live in a society where we've moved beyond the place where husbands and wives kind of worked together as a, as, a, as, a, as a unit, right? And everything that they produced, they consumed themselves. And now we're in this world where 
you know, you all are working for the benefit of another person. Whether or not you're doing medicine or plumbing or teaching or excavating or designing buildings or laying electrical or doing physical therapy, you're doing work that blesses other people in a community and the community can't get along without you. And you take the money from that and you give it to somebody else who's, who's raising crops. And so as we work, we're called into a community. This is what we were supposed to do. So it blesses us with identity and purpose and relationship and worship. So ask yourself this question. In this passage, where is the temple? Where is church? Where was it? There was none. What they were doing, the way in which they were serving God, there was worship. This is the way God intended it, that they would work and fill and multiply and subdue and have dominion, and God would be in their midst, and this was the perfection of their worship. It was the way it was supposed to be. They didn't, oh, we should go to the temple. There was no temple. There had been no sin. There was just work. There is a word in Hebrew that's, that depicts this picture. It's the word avodah. So tiny, very short little word study on the word avodah. It's used interchangeably all over the Old Testament to mean three things. To mean service. It says in Exodus 21, And the master shall bore through his ear with an awl, and he shall be his slave or servant forever. So here there's this word avodah, meaning a person who serves another person. It also means work. It says in Exodus 34, Six days you shall labor, avodah, but on the seventh day you shall rest. As service and work and as worship. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship Avodah, God, on this mountain. See, for the, for the person writing this, the idea of service and work and worship were all kind of tied together into one thing. And this word Avodah isn't just used of our worship directed towards God, it's also used as a, how our worship is directed towards idols. Think about that for a second. That this word avodah can mean our work and service and worship directed towards idols or our work and worship and service directed towards God. And so I ask you again this morning, how do you view work? And how do you in particular view your work and what you've been called to do? Is it to fill the earth with your glory or to fill the earth with the glory of God? That you see your work as worship, as service, as relationship to one another. As work is giving you your identity and your purpose, is calling you into, into relationship with both God and your fellow man. And as worship. Now see, the difficult part that we have here is that even though we desire to have our work be received as worship, it's tainted with our own sin, isn't it? that we offer it up and it's just a mix of, of what we intend for worship and sin. And so then the question is, how can our work be received as worship before a holy God? And it can't. Except for the work of Christ the worker, 
who comes and offers the perfect sacrifice. In his work, the work of Christ is to be able to declare us innocent, to offer us justification and redemption. That's the work of Christ that allows our work as Christians to embrace the highest form of work that our work is worship. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, enjoy your Labor Day weekend. When you go back to work on Monday or Tuesday, some of you may have to go back to work on Monday. I'm sorry about that. But those of you who go to work, I want you to think, this is my work as worship. It is part of the blessing and not the curse. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the way in which you offer us the blessing of work. Father, help us to embrace work as worship and not as curse. Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus, who does the work of Redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. In your bulletins, you'll find a a confession of sin that's written around this idea of work as, as worship and the way in which we sometimes twist it up to ways that it's not supposed to be. So you'll just follow along in the bowl. Father, for the ways in which we have made gender distinctions in work, where you have not, that have led some to view their work as unimportant and unwelcome, we ask your forgiveness. Father, for the ways in which we have turned your call to subdue and have dominion over the earth into a license for exploitation and damage of your creation, we ask your forgiveness. Father, for the ways in which we have thought and communicated that our work is more valuable than others, we ask your forgiveness. Father, for the ways in which we have not viewed our work as vital to the flourishing of the world and as an act of worship, we ask your forgiveness. Father, for the ways in which we have used the blessing of work to fill the earth with our glory rather than yours, we ask your forgiveness. Let's confess silently our sins. Father, for all our sins relating to the blessing of work, we ask your forgiveness. Christ, have mercy. Hear this good news. By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Christian, you have been forgiven in Christ and freed by Him to do what is good. Be to God.